0: two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Welcome to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, and today we have the amazing Kathleen Selmans. Who has over two decades of work in leadership, sales, lead generation, and marketing? She has worked with Fortune 500 companies to build profitable product offers, built and sold two businesses, and now works to help entrepreneurs find their ripe idea ready to be picked and put to work as a passive product offer, leveraging their expertise they already have. I'm going to challenge you to say that last sentence really, really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Today, I'm a little tongue twisted, not quite sure what's going on. My, I have brain fog or something. You know, I'm always on vacation. So when I interrupt my vacation to come to a podcast, it's not work. It's fun. But I have to get out of that beach mode into, oh, we're, we're recording. <laughs> so thank you, <laughs> Kathleen. <laughs> we did a few takes before uh, we started here. So thank you so much for sharing the space with us and your time. I just love that you have all this experience with sales and leading these Fortune 500 companies. What I don't like sales. (laughs) It started in this industry, and it's such a great skill set.
1: Yeah, you know, a lot of people that I work with don't like sales. In fact, I think a lot of them think of it as pickpocketing. And they did not realize when they started out on their freelancer or entrepreneur journey that what they stepped into was a full-time sales role.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and that's just it. I think I missed that in the MO. I've been an entrepreneur since 1994, uh, part-time. And I was like, I just did, you know, I followed the simple protocol. I was an Avon independent rep. And I never thought about, like I literally knocked on doors, Avon calling, would you like a brochure? And I just never thought of it as sales. I just thought, I can get you some really great makeup and other products, perfume. (laughs) So how did you get into this profession?
1: You know, I got into marketing because in two, well, in late 2008, which as you know, was right before a giant global recession, I got hired to do recruiting for a hospitality based recruiting firm. So I was calling resorts, asking them if they need, had any needs for directors of sales. Even the best director of sales can't fix what was coming. But we didn't know that. The company launched in November of 2008 and closed by January of 2009. Mm-hmm. But in that job, my quota was 80 calls a day, like actual phone calls, calling people, you get really, really sick of it really fast. And I got into marketing after leaving that. Well, after the, the company shuttered, I realized that marketing would be a way to do the same thing without having to pick up the phone. And that was so appealing to me at the time that I went down this rabbit hole and it was basically the dawn of content marketing. When in that time, 2009, 2010, you know, up until like 2016, probably the best thing you could possibly do was to start a company blog and get traffic and inbound leads were all the rage. And then you didn't have to do sales because what was happening was people were calling you saying, hey, how can I sign up? How can I do this? And I was working for a company at the time and it was so fun. And we built these inbound marketing systems for other companies. And it was really, really neat realizing that they go hand in hand, right? Like it's really, really hard to close high ticket with an email, not impossible, but hard. So teaching, teaching and leveraging the skills that I learned with corporate sales and recruiting and the you know, the high pressure sales rooms has really helped me work with freelancers to send those outreaches because a freelancer doesn't need to make 80 calls a day. So, if anybody's listening to this and wants to tune out because that sounds
0: terrible, you're right, it does. There's way better ways now. Yeah, it's definitely evolved, especially over the last few years with AI and the lead generation and all of that you know, and creating those lead funnels that way with the ads, you know, combining that, was that a straight commission job or did you get a salary? It was mostly commission.
1: It was, there was a teeny tiny little salary. I think it was like $1,500 a month at the time. Um, and even then, um, it just didn't, I placed one person in the three months I was there. And by that, I mean the entire company placed one person. It was just a terrible time. Like the Hospitality is a, I learned, a canary in the coal mine. And so they were experiencing lower than average occupancy rates at the end of 2008. So that industry knew what was coming in 2009 before anybody else did. So anytime anybody actually answered the phone versus me leaving the world's fastest voicemail, they would just laugh at me. Like, no, we are absolutely not hiring. We are cutting
0: muscle, not fat. So... (laughs) call us back in five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's pretty scary. How did that affect your personal finances? Oh, they were a nightmare. Oh my gosh. And actually I got into online
1: the online world through personal finance. I started a blog in 2011 in the personal finance world because I was I woke up on my birthday realizing I had a mountain of credit card debt and in at that time, and this is dating myself, but at that time, this was before Google had released algorithms to make better quality content on page one. So the people in the personal finance industry were making between ten and thirty thousand dollars a month selling private ads to casinos and payday loan companies and shady stuff like that. By the time my my website got up. And running and got the traffic and got all that. The both of those loopholes, Penguin and Panda, I believe, had been closed, but it didn't matter. Like I had I'd gotten into it. I found out there's real people on the other side of blogs. And that was sort of at the early days of social media too. So actual social media was commenting on other people's blogs, which was great for SEO. We learned later. <laughs> like we just <laughs> were doing things just because it was fun.
0: Yeah, and that that's that's come a long way too in the SEO and all of that, and you know, blogs are still popular. Yes, (laughs) you know, I know every time
1: they say something's dead, you need to like double down on whatever they're telling you is
0: dead. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're because they're not obsolete, and I've heard some other rumors about social media platforms that are kind of evolving, where people are moving away from it to do other things, and you know, it's always. Amazing, just to tap into whatever works for you. you know, what are, where are you comfortable at? So when you thought about working on commission, earning this small base salary, What plans did you make to multiply your money while you were building up your business and your sales? And what was your ultimate goal when you first started off? Oh my gosh. When
1: I first started off, my ultimate goal
0: was to pay rent.
1: Honestly, like those were lean times. If I could go back in time and tell 2009 Kathleen what to do, I would have, I would have absolutely told her to not just blog in 2011, but set up an info product of Mm -hmm. any kind. Because at that time, there were only about a thousand of them on the internet. Now there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of info products out there. But, you know, hindsight 2020, I think I might have also told high school senior Kathleen to, instead of spending any money on college, to just buy domains so that other people would pay me for them later. I think Mm. that would have been a better money move, too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've seen quite a few uh, common domains that are for sale. They're worth over three grand. So something super easy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in you, hindsight, right? Like we yeah. didn't know in '99. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, could be genius if uh, you could create all the different. Oh, what would somebody want a website domain name in you know 2022? Just all <laughs> the one-word domains you could possibly think of. That's amazing. I never thought about that. That's a great passive income stream, right? Yeah, for traveling back in time. But it might be just easier
1: <laughs> if you're traveling back in time to just invest in some of the stocks you know are expensive today.
0: Yeah. Always picking out the favorites. Yeah, looking for the undergone and underdog and see how they grow. So when you think about finances and setting up your so you were working for a sales company and then you ventured mm-hmm. off to your own. What was that transition like?
1: Uh it took a few years.
0: So my last job working for someone
1: else was working for an inbound marketing firm. And it was 2013, and it was an entirely remote company, which today sounds, duh, no, totally ordinary, but at the time was really, 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 really uncommon. Asynchronous work schedules, meetings that happened just on these chat platforms, all this stuff that we all just take for granted in the post-COVID era, but it was totally different for me and what it was. And they, we were an early HubSpot partner. So that was really fun. It's The company is still around. It's called the Center for Sales Strategy. They they do sales, uh, training salespeople, and then also inbound marketing. And it's just, a, it was a neat company. And I left after a year there at, after feeling like they taught me a ton about the difference between personal blogging and company blogging. There's not much, by the way, not much difference anyway, especially now we all know what keywords are now. They also taught me how to work from home, which I was really nervous about. I'm an extrovert. I didn't know like, if I could do without like, was I going to be one of those weird people at the grocery store that wants to have serious conversations with everybody like who also just wants to buy oranges. And it was such a neat experience and it set me up to uh, work with a partner to build a podcast up to a healthy revenue stream, and then
0: I I have had many pivots since then. That's awesome. What did you when you left your? So basically, you were in corporate, and you left corporate and transitioned into the entrepreneurial world. What? Mm-hmm. How did you set up your finances to make that smooth transition? To wait for all the income revenue to come up, and what was the timeline?
1: Yeah. So the the interesting we were doing the podcast had. It had early momentum, but we were pre-revenue when we started. And so I set up an LLC. I set up a business bank account. We tracked every single thing. And then my business partner focused on the content of the podcast, making it as excellent a listening experience as possible. And I went after monetization. I was talking to ad networks. I was learning how many downloads we needed before we could get into an ad network. I was learning the difference between injected where you, where you do it later versus a natural read for the ads and what we liked better. And how could we use the format of the podcast to make as much money per episode? And that probably took about six months before it was making more than I think our initial paychecks were a thousand dollars each. So it was leaner times at the beginning. And then it it grew because I think it grew for two reasons. Because my partners were really, really focused on podcast quality. And they wanted to be the first, the first name that you thought of in personal finance, not the last. So really, really focusing on 101 content, not getting into the weeds of stock picks or, or jargony stuff, but really talking about the basics of personal finance and doing it in a way that was really fun. And since they were focusing on that and audio quality and all of the podcasting things, I was left to be the one to focus on monetization. So I was working on ads in the podcast itself. I, w- I was building up our web traffic so that we could have a healthy affiliate stream of
0: income. So it was working on a bunch of different income streams then. Mm -hmm. So you monetized the podcast to create multiple income streams and then you promoted it through ads to get lead generation. So what did both of you and your partner do financial coaching or what was, what did that look like?
1: It's so it's the second Benjamin's podcast. They have, there's a former financial advisor. He let his license lapse and then a current financial advisor. And they had, they had the format was, is very, very, very cute. Actually. It's a, it's coming to you live from my mom's basement. And there it's a very much a sense of place. They do like a interview style with somebody who just wrote a book. They do a round table discussion of in the news this week, blah, 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 blah. What do you think? And they bring in other people for different opinions. And so the, the format of the show is really different than other personal finance uh, podcasts at the time which were mostly like the experts talking about something in the markets that week, which again right. also works. But this was this was intended to be a radio show always. And now they're on Westwood One. So
0: they are a radio show, babe. So all of that hard work paid off. Well, that's amazing. And when you got, you said in the beginning, you each cut yourself a paycheck of a thousand dollars. Was that gross profits. Yeah. Awesome. Paying yourself first is so important. <laughs> <laughs> what was the strategy for the operating expenses and keeping those down to help you scale?
1: We had an interesting, What well, I thought it, what I thought was interesting and I do it a little differently now that it's just me because I don't work on with the podcast anymore and I haven't for the last five years. But what I thought was interesting was every time we got, we we would reevaluate every month and mm-hmm. our income grew. But it wasn't growing as fast as it could. So who could we bring in? So one of our first expenses, and I am certain they are still working with him, I I would bet money, was a podcast editor who not mm-hmm. only edited for ums and ahs, but edited for content. Hey, you guys accidentally swore you're going to lose the the all ages rating on Apple Podcasts if you don't take that out. I'm If it's okay with you, I'm just going to cut that section out. That was so valuable at the beginning and became what like, again, came muscle, not fat. Like that is, he is a, I think he gets uh, show credits at the end. He, the podcast editor is, I would say the very first expense you would want to, to incur because we were doing it internally before. And man, was it a weight lifted off everyone's shoulders when we didn't have to do it anymore. And then just Every time we had the opportunity, do we want to take money out of the business or do we want to double down? Are there ways that we can invest in people, mostly people, a few Mm -hmm. systems, a few softwares, but mostly, but people are more expensive Um, and, (laughs) and they do more. So anytime we were at an inflection point, like, do we want to take money out? Or now we have an opportunity to bring in somebody who can handle the flow of the Podcast itself,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and that's a great investment. I mean, the ROI on that is truly priceless because the the back end of the editing and the processing is it's so time consuming, and you know the host is wants to do other things. They'd rather be doing the podcast interviews and the back end stuff. So I know I have the world's best editor, Krista Lilly. She just actually started, so but she does a beautiful job. She created the music, the intro for my show. So it's really awesome that I get my own. Specialized customized music. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Going back to you know, this is the I Date Money show. So, you know, I date money is all about the relationship. We hear about mindset, we hear about management. I hear tons of stuff about investments all day long, right? And I'm always watching the market, I'm always following the gurus on you know the shows. And so when I think about money, you know, one of the most important thing is our relationship with money. Like everyone always talks about let's make money, but multiply and we'll just manifest this and manifest that. But the true way to multiply your money is to have a good relationship with it. So with that being said, what's your relationship like with money? How would you describe it if money was a person?
1: I think it's a good relationship now. It was broken before, and we have done a lot of hard work together <laughs> to build a solid, mutually beneficial relationship. Money knows it's not the most important relationship in my life, but it fuels all of the ones that are.
0: Yeah, and I like to say well, when you partner with money, everything else flows freely because you don't have that stress of, oh, I'm worried about money. And a lot of entrepreneurs will will not implement a money management system. What's your favorite way to manage your money?
1: You know, I admire people who can do it without managing. What I believe and what I teach the people that I work with is that goal number one should be predictable income Mm -hmm. because having the feast or famine cycle is such a, like just even saying that constricts my chest, makes me anxious because it doesn't matter. If you can get to a, I don't know, hundred thousand dollar month, one month, and you make $75 the next month, there is no celebration for that big, huge milestone that hardly any entrepreneur gets to. If you can't make it consistent, then you're you're going to always have a stressful relationship with money. You're always going to feel like you're overstretched and working toward some endpoint that actually you'll never reach. So Mm -hmm. my, like the first thing that I want business owners to do is to get to a point where they're making enough money in their business that they can pull out the same amount of money every single month. And again, even if it's just a thousand dollars a month at first, Mm -hmm. if you have resources inside your business, then when you're evaluating new opportunities that come across your desk, you don't look at an empty bank account and think, if only I had. $2500 then i could invest in that. You you're you give yourself space to grow in your business and you it's funny cuz like we we work really with unbelievable margins in the digital world. We don't pay rent, we don't commute, we don't have to deal with brick and mortar anything aside from like a room in our house or maybe a co-working space and even still we don't we don't appreciate that for what it is. And I think, I think like giving yourself the space to pay yourself of the same amount every month and leave enough in your business to invest in, in systems and people that can help you grow sustainably so -hmm. that you're not burnt out in two years. Can can go a long way.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of entrepreneurs miss the 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 fact that you are your CEO of your business, and you need to take necessary action steps to you know get those leads coming in and to cultivate your audience so you can you know convert them. You know, so the connecting the cultivation part gets missed. I mean my DMs are hit up constantly about can I can I pitch to you and I'm like I don't even know you. <laughs> I'm like no you can't pitch to me but you know I we, I have set, created seven different archetypes working 30 years in the industry, well more than 30 years since 1987 I've been in finance and insurance and working with all types of people, you know, different economic classes. Everyone has the same thought, will there be enough And I find that entrepreneurs, especially when I was working with self-employed individuals, they were combining their business expenses with their personal expenses. And it's like, that's a huge no-no. Like we keep everything separate, but cutting yourself that paycheck, I always recommend 50% of whatever you make, because, you know, if it's not going to be consistent, if you have $100,000 one month and, you know, a zero, zero the next month. Most people don't make a hundred thousand. The average medium salary is around fifty. If that's even high for some states, right? You know, between thirty-five to fifty. And you know, if you make a hundred k months or one month, that's basically your salary for the whole year. And being able to to put that in a system that multiplies your money and still takes care of your operating expenses is so important to be able to sustain that and then as you were referring to creating passive income generating multiple streams of income within that container so that you have this predictable income that's coming through so i love that when you work with what how do you work with clients what do you, what do you do
1: i work one on one and in groups and it's mostly to to take your your service and turn it into a productized Income stream, so sometimes that's a course, but sometimes it's it's just a different way to look at things. So, a web design agency talked. Somebody at a web design agency talked to me, and they they create bespoke solutions for every single client that comes in. And I said, if you stop doing that and you have three levels, you're going to find margin instantly because Mm -hmm. if you if you do bespoke for everybody then you, you don't have... If you standardize your packages, you are eliminating a lot of stress and anxiety. You don't have to do crazy proposals for everybody. You don't have to add in the kitchen sink. You can say, okay, we've got, we've got half of our clients are on plan one, uh, 25% are on plan two, and 25% are on plan three. That means that everybody across your company knows what that means. They don't have to go back to the brief. They don't have to, it sounds so obvious, right? But it's so easy when you're talking to a client who's like, look, I want something different. The truth is, especially in web design, all websites are the same. The thing that differentiates is branding and copy. So you Mm -hmm. can always do a custom brand and copy package on top of a five page website.
0: Right. So that's your specialty now is designing websites. No,
1: no, I do not. I do not design websites. I, uh, my specialty is helping people come up with something that they can create once and get paid for at least twice, if not dozens upon dozens of times.
0: Okay. Kind of like your, your online courses, your books, your products, things like yeah. that. Yeah,
1: Templates. If you, if you, again, like a designer could make a killing on Canva templates, for example. Things that, and yeah, yes, courses too. Usually courses are where people come come to when they think about productizing. So, okay, I'll make a course. But then they go right into the rabbit hole of, well, should I use Teachable or Kajabi? And a lot of people don't sell as they're going or market as they're going. Mm -hmm. So they don't know if they're making something that people would actually buy.
0: So they spend
1: weeks and weeks on creating a product and five seconds on promoting it. And so when I work with them, we take the opposite approach. I'll let you outline it. I'll even let you do the first little bit, but that's it. After that, we're building the sales page and the sales funnel. And we're going to see if there's absolutely any interest in what it is you want to build, because if not, then we just saved ourselves six months or whatever, right? How do you test that?
0: Hey, dads. Okay, yeah, Facebook ads mostly, or do you use Yahoo, Yelp? Usually, it's um, Facebook or YouTube. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a. I, I guess you're the first guest I've had that's done that angle, so that's really interesting to see how that cool. is. When you think about your your sales, so you have a quota for yourself, you're, you're a solopreneur. Mm-hmm. So you think about your, your business and your selling strategies and all that. Is there a specific goal or a number? Like what keeps you focused on sustaining the numbers that you need to bring, that you choose to bring in each and every month so that you can live the lifestyle that you love to live and you and money can have fun?
1: Yeah, you know, I love that question and I think about it a little bit differently. It's more about, I want to help. As many freelancers as possible not get burnt out. I want people, especially freelancers. they're to me, they're the hardest working or solo solo business owners, the the one person shops, however you want to call yourself. because if you can't figure out leverage, then you end up going back to corporate. And when you do figure out leverage, that's when you stop trading time for money. That's when you never tell anybody your hourly rate ever again. And that's when you actually get to like take a vacation or not get penalized for going to your kid's dance recital or not lose half your income because you got COVID and you, had, you couldn't get out of bed for two weeks. You know, the, the, there is magic in creating a product that you can sell more than once.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I see a lot of ads for the Amazon. Is it the books? Like creating an audio book that mm. seems to be a, a a buzzword. Well, at least yeah, for me. I've seen that That's too. I, yeah,
1: I've seen I've seen that or the fulfilled by Amazon, like yeah, uh, warehouse thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that world.
0: Yeah. And one of my favorites is like the affiliate links. Like a lot of people don't know that a lot of the products that they're buying, the companies that they're working with, they have an affiliate link. It's like, take advantage of that. You know, I mean, you're using the product, you can promote it. And you get a kickback for it. So why not? So when you um, manage your money in the back end, are you using like a software? Are you using Excel sheets? What's your favorite way to uh, put all the numbers together?
1: I don't like that part. I don't have a favorite way. I use QuickBooks (laughs) because my accountant does. I also bought a thing that a service that syncs your stripe to QuickBooks Mm -hmm. because that's not an obvious thing, which I found befuddling. But it's like nine (laughs) bucks a month. It's uh. It, and it sinks. It tells you who the person was who bought through stripe and and together those things um those two things make okay. the back end of
0: my business work better. yeah. what's your favorite way to multiply money? Info products? yeah <laughs> I, I kind of knew you were going to say that. I maybe, <laughs> I'm like I wonder if she'll switch it to like real estate investment or something like that.
1: <laughs> maybe, but uh, yeah. the, you know I, real estate investing gets it is so shiny and so sexy and uh, but it takes m- money. Info Mm. products doesn't, doesn't take, you don't have to have a hundred thousand dollars to create an info product. I like the, the smaller manageable things you can do first. And then, yeah, you, you can absolutely just throw the rest of it into a multi-unit building with the property manager. And then you don't have to touch it and you just get paid or index funds.
0: Yeah. With the info products, how much do you need like, if somebody listening wanted, were it was interested in starting this type of income stream, how would they get started and what would be their approximately their investment at, at the recording of this show
1: my program is a 12 month program it's 3 months of of content but it takes about uh, it takes a lot of mental energy to go from idea to fully functioning sales funnel in 3 months you could do it i've done it but you kind of have to be doing hardly anything else. So it is like three months of content, but we do a year long program and it's a group program and it's $9,800 for the year. And if you do all the work and your sales funnel is not making you any money, I will work with you for free until it is making money. So there's a lot to be said for doubling down on yourself and figuring it out. I, what I love is the ideation part where if somebody comes to me with an idea and we refine it and make it better, and then we test it and see if, if there's a need, it's, it's super, super fun.
0: Yeah. What's the most profitable info idea that has come about?
1: One, it's usually, it depends on somebody's audience. So somebody came to me and said, I get 10 to 15 people a month asking me how to X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Let's make you a course. Let's do that. You need a course on how to X, Y, Z. And then over the course of a year, she spent one week a month delivering webinars live, Mm. growing her
0: audience through webinars. And that, that created a hundred thousand dollar income stream. That's beautiful. Yeah. It was awesome. That is awesome. And selling the product that she loves that she's the expert Mm. at. It's so mm-hmm. it's different when you come at it from a place of this is my zone of genius I love talking about this you mm-hmm. know one thing about being a wealth activator, I love talking about money and 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 dating money and having that relationship with money and multiplying it in a way where you know when you give ten percent, you save ten percent, and you enjoy ten percent, everything else falls into place, and you get to you know move your money around to just with simple alignments to multiply it more. And I noticed that a lot of entrepreneurs have these back end operating expenses. You know, they invest in all these different software programs, they end up being you know, like tech poor. <laughs> <Or as> well- <laughs> had said to me, I'm in software debt (laughs) because you you have all these different softwares and you had alluded to that with connecting the Stripe and it's $9 a month for that. And then there's the account and there's the QuickBook fee and there's this, that fee. And it's like, how can I streamline this? So that's my, Mm -hmm. my expertise is to streamline those systems to maximize, have a nice, clean, simple system and A lot of the things that we do, like your zone of genius, you know, it's so simple to you, but somebody listening in and me, like, I'm not like, hmm, I wonder what XYZ product I could teach. And all I could think of is there's got to be a lot of tech involved with like automations of worksheets. I was snooping on a, a financial advisor's website today and they had a calculator. And I'm all about calculators, love, you know, crunching in the numbers and seeing like, oh, you know, and usually I'll do it for interest, like, how much will this multiply if I, you know, if I make. You know, if I sell a product, say, say an online course cost, you know, $300, I don't know, you know, and I make $300 and I decide. oh, you know what? I didn't expect to sell five. You know, I only expected to sell three. So the other two I'm going to invest. And I love like seeing like what, how much interest it's going to earn and doing those calculators. So I expected this this site to have that. And no, it was just an intake form. And it said, it, it, it basically asked you like how much money you make. Um, What are your investments? Do you own your home? Do you have a mortgage? And do you have any other, you know, like 401ks or anything? And I'm like, how is this going to be a calculator? And then you look on the side, and as you're keying in the numbers, the numbers changing and say, and it says, great, if you make over 15,000, you need to book a one to one call. And I'm like, that's no, no, that's not. You didn't even give me any information. You didn't calculate anything for me. And the number was like, you know, I was playing around with the different numbers and it, I was trying to figure out like what they were calculating to come up with this net number. And it did not make sense. And like, you know, a confused buyer doesn't, if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make dollars. So <laughs> I was kind of like, no, I don't think I like this calculator system, but I have this thought in my mind to create a calculator system. That's so simple. I use QuickBooks for years. I was a treasurer of three not-for-profit organizations And QuickBooks was the great software and I loved using it except for when it came to reports because if you've made any mistakes on your accounting, it showed up on your reports and you had to annotate every single one of them. It's like, can I just delete that? That's silly, (laughs) but that's the accounting mind, right? So when you were growing up, what was your favorite way to indulge in your, how did you splurge on money as you were growing up and how is that different and how you enjoy money now?
1: You know, I never even thought about money growing up. And that makes me sound like I grew up extra wealthy, but it was, (laughs) it was not, it was regular middle-class, but we didn't, we didn't do extravagant things to celebrate. You know, we did, we, we did our stamps for the, for the free pizza at Pizza Hut. That I I still like think nice things about the book it thing uh, when I pass a Pizza Hut today. I wonder if they're still doing that. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's not on my kids' radar. Growing up, I don't know how we celebrated. You know, we we had pizza. All the, this pizza was the default celebration thing. Like Good report <laughs> card, go get pizza. Now I don't really believe in the treat yourself with money because of money thing. It for me, it falls into a an acquisition trap where mm. i find there is greater joy and happiness with fewer things so mm. windfalls get celebrated with like again probably food <laughs> yeah like yeah, a little have-
0: a nice dinner out or something yeah and you know indulging in experiences is so much fun like there's a lot of us that will take trips or you know just you know maybe run a boat for the day something that you wouldn't normally do when you're celebrating mm-hmm. something Big, and I know uh, a lot of uh, people write books about, you know, splurging on their kids for their special birthdays. Like you can do whatever you want, and it's the only time they get to, you know, bring a friend and, and go here, and you know they get the limo rides and the hotels and the spa days and things like that. So the experiences are so incredible to be able to celebrate money. So thank you so much, Kathleen, for sharing your your story and what you do, and we'll put the link to connect with you in the show notes. What words of wisdom would you like to give to our audience as we part? I think the best investment you can make is in yourself. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for that. And for anyone listening, if you're interested in learning more about monetizing your passion, you know, creating a course or a product... Definitely connect with Kathleen. She can help you with that. And investing in yourself is huge, especially if you're ready to leave the nine to five, you know, maybe you're getting closer to retirement, but you still want to do like a little something and you want to give back to the world. You know, your gifts and talents are so beautifully used for that. And when we love what we do, we can, ma- we can monetize that, right? And we can help others at the same time. And that's a beautiful thing. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to rate the show. Give us some love. We would love your review. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. And some words of advice, pay yourself first. Are you ready to partner with money? Go check out the money dating game at idatemoney.com and choose your partner. We hope you always get the date you want. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire. With a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system, you get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it.